Welcome to the Marketing Ops Now podcast series. This is the second podcast in our series, and thanks for listening. We collect value ideas worth stealing with a network of marketing ops influencers and experts. We're keeping a close eye on the latest trends, so we find actionable ideas, models, insights, and services that we can share with you and you can use today. Today we'll talk about the three trends of marketing ops. What are people and magazines telling us that will happen in the next three to five years? What do we think is uh, happening out there? Today with me is Scott Brinker, all-time guru, marketing ops. You're too Uh, kind. (laughs) So we would like to talk about that. And we did some preparation on this uh, podcast on what do we think is out there? Of course, we did our homework and went online, had a look at what other companies and research firms are saying. Welcome, Scott. How are you? I am good. It's great to be back here with you. You know, marketing ops is like my favorite topic. <laughs> well, MarTech and marketing ops. Okay. But, you know, they're all kind of one of the same world. And that's an interesting one. Yeah. So how do they relate to each other? Maybe before we jump into these trends, MarTech and marketing ops. I'm a big believer at the end of the day, what matters is the actual way an organization runs. So to me, marketing ops is at the top of that hierarchy. And MarTech is the set of software and systems and data that help fit within the marketing ops domain. I think we covered that on our last podcast. It's like, all right, yeah, this is a piece of the puzzle. But what really matters is, are you assembling the pieces of puzzle together into a picture that people recognize, say, aha, that's a Rembrandt. So in terms of trends, what ha- what has come to mind? What do you think uh, Martin Ops challenges of the next three years will be? Yeah, I'm really glad uh, you picked this topic for today. You know, I was thinking back to our first podcast together. One of the things we started talking about was that evolution of marketing ops. And I have to say, I think that's the maybe the single most important trend. And the way I would frame it is I feel like in the past, marketing ops was often thought of as almost like this kind of adjacent function off to the side. That that would be the team that would do the reporting, they would do the data hygiene. If you needed a tool set up and administered, they'd take responsibility for that. And I think what's been happening here is when we really dive into, you know, marketing orgs becoming truly digital, uh, businesses overall becoming truly digital, that marketing ops actually plays a much more foundational role. It becomes the the underlying platform upon which everything else that's happening in marketing gets built upon. I almost think of ops as maybe being like the operating system upon which now marketing is running. I'd nominate that as the first big trend. I think the two other trends I find really fascinating, one is marketing is increasingly better integrated with the rest of the organization. It has to be to be able to deliver the sort of continuity in customer experiences. And as part of that, we're seeing the marketing ops function increasingly integrated with other customer-related ops functions, such as sales ops and customer success ops. And this is part of the narrative that vision of revenue operations or rev ops is how do we make sure as a larger organization that all these things are working uh, in concert together. The third trend I would propose is automation. Marketing ops was always 
involved in a certain amount of automation. <laughs> the, the term marketing automation, right? That, that originally fell into, you know, marketing ops domain. But I feel like particularly over the past year, there's been this hyper acceleration of just how automated organizations are becoming, like the, you know, the extent of things that we can now automate, the sophistication of those automations and marketing ops responsibility and role in that, you know, is just so central. Some of the things, you know, I'm a, I'm a big fan of like this no code movement. That's a piece of this too, because it's like empowering people to do much more sophisticated automation uh, without having to, you know, break out uh, C programming skills or Java programming skills. I would like to come back to the peel them off, the, the three you just mentioned, because I have tons of questions for each. Um, All right. And there's so so little time. So back in the days when I was working uh, with a consultancy, my own consultancy firm for uh, marketing ops projects, the biggest problem was always the reasons to do marketing operations were the reasons not to do it. We got reasons like we don't have time. We don't have enough people. We don't have the resource. And we go like, yeah, but we're freeing up your resources because that's the problem. <laughs> if you don't free up your resources, you can't start doing it. And, and correct me if I'm wrong, but in summary, you're saying marketing ops went from a support desk function to a strategic function. And I think you're saying digital transformation is fueling that process because I remember back in the days when I was in those marketing ops uh, projects, the early ones, they were all print related, all offline. A completely different ballgame, and now it's all online. So you're saying that has fueled this this growth of marketing ops? Absolutely. You can't be a digital organization if like your digital capabilities are somehow just treated as this thing on the side. It really it has to get integrated into your your daily work. When you look at that, I I, I love the way that you you sort of uh, reframe that as saying, okay, how we operate is not a support function. It is a strategic capability. If we don't have those capabilities to uh, execute on all of our grand strategic visions for you know what digital nirvana looks like, we never get there from here. Another quote comes to mind when we were basically pitching our ideas, somebody said, ah, the non-sexy stuff of marketing. <laughs> I find this stuff to be like super sexy. Our statement was always, um, you have to be creative in your artwork, not in your processes. And that's what they did all too often. So I really like this. And it's a great insight that with the digital transformation coming up and speeding up with COVID-19 now, that indeed we went from a support desk function to a strategic uh, function. I really love that being part of RevOps. And that brings us to the next uh, trend that you mentioned, which is we're integrating much more uh, departments, aligning with them, aligning results, uh, strategies. So how, how do you see that come about? Is that the specific role of marketing operations? Is it marketing in general that should lead this conversation? I mean, at the end of the day, what we're trying to do is we're trying to create alignment across the organization. I mean, that was always important, but in the past, the speed at which the company tended to move, the expectations that customers had, is quite frankly, we could have gaps in alignment and it didn't have negative impact. It wasn't really the, uh, the, the, the barriers you know, to our progress. But in today's world where things are just moving at such an incredible rate, 
and the customer expectations of, you know, again, that sort of continuity of experience throughout all the different touch points they have with an organization, it feels like, all right, now, if our organizations aren't aligned, the wheels come off of the cart really quick. So I do feel it's like almost at a, at, at the utmost C-level strategic responsibility to make sure that, hey, our department's are aligned together on the same strategy. They're clear on you know the responsibilities that each is going to take. And then for marketing ops, it's sort of that next level down of like, right, this is the strategy, we're all aligned on it. Now let's make sure the actual execution of this, the operational interface, the daily operations between marketing and sales and customer success. And if you're a digital business, how that connects back to your digital product and you know all these sorts of things, you know, e-commerce, how does it connect back to that? You really have to be able to have the marketing operations people be key players in making sure that the marketing org is properly connected uh, with all of its peers. Many thoughts came up when you just said this. I think integrating different departments, aligning with them, doesn't only mean technical integrations. It also requires a lot of skills in terms of change management. Should marketing ops people be diplomats somehow? I really love the way you bring up uh, the word diplomat for this, because I think that's very insightful. It's like one of the challenges in connecting an organization more deeply is, I mean, the people who lead individual organizations really are, the, the, well, or they should be, right, the top of their game, right? I mean, the CMO should be one like like a really successful marketer. They've you know grown up in a career of that. They have a tremendous amount of expertise. You can say the same thing for the head of sales. And so as a result, these teams on their own and their leaders, I think, do have a lot of well-earned pride. Their particular skills and capabilities and and what they're delivering to the org. People definitely agree that like okay, everyone is more successful when we get really aligned and connect these things together. You have to be careful that the relationship between these different teams is not one of authority. It's one of collaboration. It's one of influence. And so there's a there's a real set of soft skills that are necessary in saying, okay, yes, we're going to collaborate together. But that doesn't mean I come, here's the way we're going to do it. This is my plan. You chuckleheads need to follow this way of doing it. Doesn't work at all. And so it's that, that ability to blend the expertise that marketing operations people have in their functions with the diplomacy of how do we engage and integrate that with the expertise of these other teams, that's super important. It's probably more important, arguably, than, yeah, even the technical expertise within your own function. Because at this point, if you can't collaborate effectively with your peers in these other organizations, you've hit a roadblock. Like, you're, you're not going any further. I'm teaching at a business school, and uh... I teach marketing operations, marketing uh, automation technology, and then I break away from that subject and just do one topic, which is change management. And it has to do with psychology, how people think and tick. And and every single time I start that piece, I'm hesitant and go like, this has nothing to do with technology. Uh, And every single time I do it, the students come back and uh, CMO and marketing manager come back to me and say, that was a really great piece. Maybe we could just say, uh, one of the most important things also to do this second trend, to support this second trend that you mentioned of integrating different departments, maybe should be a, a course in change management. 
Yeah, I, I love that. So then we're with the third one, which is automation, low code, no code. Uh, I know it's uh, one of your favorites and I, I love it too. I can get lost in those tools. We prepared this podcast and said, yeah, it's all, not always bad to also disagree. And here I have a question about low code, no code. Because when I work with clients and they want to select the next piece of software, I always try to keep it as simple as we can. So we don't need everything. So we don't need all the features because we might need it in the future. What do you need right now today? What I see often is that in collecting the business requirements and the features, we get lost in translation. And I think that's a hazard, a, a danger with low code, no code as well. So we get lost in requirements. Is that something you see as well? I, I think it's a fair point that no code and low code actually... Boy, there's a couple axes here, one of which is you can have a really wide range of possibilities. I mean, like on one end of the spectrum, like, I don't know, pick a tool like Airtable, you know, that sort of lets teams put together like, hey, we'll just share this data, you know, through this tool, we'll have our little task Kanban board or, you know, it's like that's a no code tool. It's a great one. The negative impacts associated with that are relatively well constrained versus like, yeah, you get into, you know, some of these tools that are letting you like build all new AI models for how you're going to do your predictive analytics on customer lifetime value or churn or building out the website. I think those are things that I, I still think there's value to those tools, but now you're starting to get into capabilities that are much more central to what marketing has to deliver. And I think you want to be a lot more thoughtful on like, are we ready for this? I mean, one of the things that excites me so much about no-code tools is this idea that you're able to empower a broader and broader set of people in the marketing organization to be able to self-service, you know, more of their needs. Well, I think there's great potential and power with that, I'll be the first to acknowledge that, okay, you need two things to be really successful with that. First of all, you need to have the ability to truly enable those people, not just give them the tool, but be able to teach them how to use it, provide training and the support. Because uh, without that, people then just start to flounder and that, that can get very, uh, uh, create mixed results. Uh, and then the other thing is you need to have governance in place. You know, I think we mentioned this in our last podcast too. I mean, you have to have some sort of guardrails and mechanisms to make sure that these tools are being used properly and responsibly. That's a sign of marketing maturity, marketing operations maturity, that not all organizations are there yet. Uh, and maybe that shouldn't be their next step. Maybe they've got one or two other steps that they need to build up first uh, before they're really going to be in a situation that they can uh, implement those sorts of capabilities. I, I, I think the word of caution uh, with no code at this stage uh, of the game is uh, a sound. Don't get me wrong, I love no-code, low-code, and it's uh, like Technic Lego to me. I'd <laughs> love to play with it. Maybe the antidote uh, for overcomplicating uh, solutions and over-engineering solutions is maybe goal-setting. Why are we doing this? And, and this is a, uh, a soft skill that I miss often. I don't know if that resonates with you. I miss often with marketers that why are we doing? What should this tool be doing for us before we start deep diving into requirements? Yeah. Use cases are such a wonderful 
<laughs> Wonderful thing. Like uh, that's that's actually always my advice when people are asking me, like, okay, as you're evaluating a new Martech vendor, how should you evaluate them? And I'm like, okay, whatever CAM demo they have, that's nice and that's fine, but you don't want the CAM demo. What you want to do is you want to come in with a list of use cases of like, this is what I want to be able to do. This, this, and this other thing. Now show me how I can do that with your tool. There's probably all sorts of other wonderful things when you buy a tool above and beyond the initial use cases you have in mind that you will discover and leverage and learn over time. And that's wonderful. But if you don't have clarity on the actual core use cases you know you need, yeah, you start uh, swimming without a lifeguard, <laughs> something like that. Yeah, I'm totally with you. So basically, then keeping a kind of a library that is company specific, a library of use cases is is within the territory of a marketing ops manager. Right? I think so, right? I mean, if we think of marketing ops as those underlying capabilities, you know, the operating system that serves the marketing org, then a, a library of concrete use cases Wow, that's just a really valuable way to say like, okay, what do you want to do? Uh, if you come to us and you're saying, I want to do X, and we've already done X before, right? It's like a matching algorithm and you're like, great, this is the steps of how to do it. It's it's a, a well-established pattern. Uh, you are good to go. And if someone comes to you and says, oh, I want to do Y, and you've not done Y before, then at least actually you're identifying as a very clear new use case. And now it's like, okay, what what do we need to implement to be able to enable why? Yeah, the opportunities are endless, but that's also a, a threat. So indeed, I, I like the idea of, of use cases, or I, I always call it the champagne moment. When can we you know, uh, start drinking champagne and are we happy? And, and very often I, I, I see that people don't have an answer. So we're just collecting requirements and do not know when we're successful. What is the use case? What should it bring? I'm going to have to steal the, uh, the, the the champagne moment, too. <laughs> that's just a great way of like, yeah, OK, uh, th that's that's a good way of framing the winning. Uh, and I, I'm sort of thinking to myself, you know, we shouldn't just do this as like a metaphor. Like, you know, there should be some champagne somewhere at the end of these things. So, <laughs> <laughs> As opposed to pizza moments, which I came across as well. That means that you're too late. You can't make it home and you have to stay at work, uh, work all night and we order pizza, which is so you you want champagne. Champagne, not pizza. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's brilliant. I love it. I think uh, we can talk for hours, but we're reaching the end of the podcast and it was extremely insightful. Uh, really appreciate it. Thank you for uh, sharing the three trends with us, the three trends that uh, came to your mind. I would uh, like to thank you for your, uh, for your time, Scott. Yeah, no, thanks for having me again. I uh, look forward to our next discussion. Thank you very much. That's it for now. Mm -hmm.